not become lazy at the time of worship, whether it be with regards to performing salah or giving zakat, etc. At such occasions, three types of patience are necessary. This is the second occasion of sabr and patience, that when there is some responsibility to discharge, some dini obligation to fulfill, so a person should not become lazy in fulfilling that. This laziness is something which Nabi Wasallam in one dua has taught us to ask Allah Ta'ala for protection from this laziness. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika minal ajzi wal kasal. Ya Allah, I seek your protection from being helpless on his ajz. That the person, whatever has happened, he is now unable to do something. So now the person due to illness, due to some other situation, even if he wants to, he is not able to do it. So he now is unable to do many, many good things. So that too is something to seek protection from. And the other is laziness. This is something taught to us in this Masnoon Dua. So to seek protection from, of Allah Ta'ala from laziness, because laziness becomes a means of great deprivation. People sometimes ask for some kind of, is there some uh, wazifa to overcome laziness? What's the problem? She says, no, I, my mamulat, etc., I become very lazy and therefore I miss it. So is there some wazifa to recite to overcome the laziness? But then the same question will come that I get too lazy to recite that wazifa. So the wazifa that he wanted to overcome laziness, he'll get lazy to recite that also then. So then he'll want some other wazifa to overcome that one. So there isn't any wazifa for laziness. The wazifa for laziness is to oppose the laziness. The wazifa for that laziness is to force the nafs to do what it has to do. And not to allow it to slacken. And this is the only way that this nafs will come under control. The laziness is nothing but the issue of the nafs. If a person keeps giving in to that laziness of that nafs, that same aspect that we discussed yesterday, that will strengthen and that laziness will grow. But if he keeps opposing it, he keeps doing what he's supposed to do in the time he's supposed to do, despite the pressure that might come on the nafs at that time. But in this process, the nafs will get subdued, the nafs will get weaker. So this is the important thing, that this laziness is something that one should oppose, suppress that laziness. At such occasions, three types of patience are necessary. Number one, correct your intention before the act of worship, that you are doing it, you are only doing it for Allah Ta'ala's pleasure, the nafs has no share in it. This too is a aspect of sabr. Sabr in the sense that now the nafs wants to take some share out of this, wants this action to happen for some ulterior motive. So now at that time to adopt sabr in the sense that to clear out any ulterior motive, any other intention. That this must be solely for Allah Ta'ala. This mustn't be for any other purpose. Number two, do not be lax while doing the act of worship. With courage, fulfill the act of worship in accordance with the sunnah wholeheartedly. Try to have presence of mind after doing the act of worship not go around telling people of your acts of worship. So the second point is, do not be lax while doing the act of worship. One is, 
a person now out of laziness doesn't do something. So that's already he deprived himself of the amal. Then he does it, but he does it like a burden. That if I didn't have to do this, Nauzubillah, it would have been better. So now he is doing it like just because he has to just get done with it. So that is against the dictates of sabr. Sabr means now he should do it and do it correct. Now because he's doing it like a burden, he does it haphazardly. Because he's not doing it wholeheartedly, so he does it haphazardly. As a result of doing it haphazardly, sometimes many important aspects are compromised. Now, for example, he is performing his salah, so now he is reciting haphazardly. So the tajweed is compromised now. He is making his ruku sajda haphazardly. Oma jalsa haphazardly. As a result, that whole salah sometimes, sometimes is very deficient, sometimes can even be that so many wajibs got left out. It's wajibul iada, it has to be repeated. Because he was so hasty in his ruku sajda, or his poma jalsa, whatever, he didn't even complete the wajib properly. So, he needs to do it and do it correctly. That requires that sabr at that time. Fulfill the act of worship in accordance with the sunnah wholeheartedly. Try to have the presence of mind. After doing the act of worship, do not go around telling people of your acts of worship. One is to tell somebody, to tell him directly. To tell the person that, uh, see last night I woke up and I made ibadat for so long. So this is one way of saying something. That is generally not the case that people will do that. Generally, this won't happen, that a person will be very explicit about what he is wanting to tell somebody. But in these kind of things, there will be a lot of very, very subtle messages. The person will just, on some note, just now I'm still, last night I was awake for so long, that's why now I'm feeling so tired. So now he's trying to say, I'm so tired, but in that process, what? Why I'm so tired? Because I was awake for so long last night. So what I was awake doing, obviously you must understand now. That now, I'm not just somebody who wastes my time. I was busy in Ibadat. So don't regard me as just anybody. So now in that one line, we gave all these other messages. To try and enhance our position in somebody's sight. That example of Hazrat that the person had some mehman, some guest, and now while serving the guest, he called to his khadim, to his servant, that that jug which I brought from my second hajj, bring the water in that jug. But now on this occasion, there was other ways of describing that jug also, and maybe he just said bring water, what difference it will make which jug it came in. So water is required, but the whole story here was to impress the guess that look, don't just think of me as anybody, I am not just a haji, I am a double haji. I went to hajj twice. So now in that one statement, he washed away two hajj. Because now this was a kind of bragging. This wasn't for any other purpose. The only intention here was to impress the person. So in that one hajj, that water he asked for, he washed that whole two hajj away, that water. So this is the aspect that, after having done something to be very grateful to Allah Ta'ala, Ya Allah, this was not in my ability. This was not something that I could have done. You made it possible, you granted me the tawfiq. This is your grace, this is your mercy. So this is something to, number one, be very grateful to Allah Ta'ala. Together with that, the aspect that was discussed regarding the Sahaba Ikram, وَالَّذِينَ يُؤْتُونَ مَا آتَوْ وَقُلُوبُهُمْ وَجِيلَةٌ That they do what they have done, 
the righteousness that they have done, but their hearts are trembling. Their hearts are trembling. Why? Did they do some wrong? No, they didn't do any wrong. But will this also be accepted in the sight of Allah Ta'ala? أَنَّهُمْ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ رَاجِعُونَ They are going to return to Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala is going to be taking an account of this. So have they done this in a way that Allah Ta'ala will accept it? That is the fear. So on the one hand, gratitude and shukr to Allah Ta'ala. And simultaneously this concern and fear. That will this be accepted? So that is the th- second occasion of sabr. The third occasion of sabr is to suppress the nafs when it desires to commit sin. The third occasion of sabr is to suppress the nafs when it desires to commit sin. Now, if this nafs is allowed to just go wild, then it will get even more wild. And then a person would say that it is now impossible for me to not do this and impossible to not do that, whereas nothing is impossible. Whatever Allah Ta'ala has forbidden is well within every person's control to refrain from it. A person thought it was impossible for him. For example now, somebody has a habit of watching something, some program on television for example. Now that's a major problem, a major crime now he's going to fall into. He's got a problem. He says now, you see, this is something which is so deep in my habit, I can't leave it. If I don't see that program, that particular thing at that time of the night, then I won't be able to function. So very well, that's his now contention that this is impossible for him not to do it. Now at that time, that was the time for his program, his ustad or his sheikh came to visit him and now say, look, you've got some important work to do, will you assist? Now as much as he may want to do something else at that time, is he going to refuse? Or in their presence, is he going to be able to carry on saying that, no, look, I can't do without this, I've got to watch this. It's impossible for me not to watch it. Would he do that? That which was impossible now, became possible. Why? It became possible for the sake of makhluk. Out of respect or whatever, out of fear of insan, whatever it was, but for the sake of makhluk, for the sake of the creation of Allah Ta'ala, it became possible. So why isn't it possible for Allah Ta'ala, who is the khalik? For Allah Ta'ala who gave the command, don't do this. It's possible. So this is that muraqaba, that when a person seems to be now finding himself drawn to something and he feels now, I just can't hold myself back. Think about it at that time, that if at this time, let alone somebody senior, somebody who is greatly uh, regarded as one senior or whatever, sometimes there are situations where if one child had to come away at that time, in the presence of that child he won't be able to, and he will not go ahead and commit that wrong. So he has that much of concern for that child, we don't even have that kind of consciousness of Allah Ta'ala as we have one little child. That for this child's presence, I won't commit this wrong. But Allah Ta'ala is watching and it doesn't matter to me, Nauzubillah. So this is the aspect to, the issue is to engage the mind at that time. Not to just be carefree, unconcerned. When a person is unconcerned, carefree, then shaitan and nafsul now, just in a moment, just wash the person away. This is the aspect to now be conscious of this, to think about it, to engage the mind. So, and the issue is that when a person will keep suppressing this nafs, when that temptation has come, when that desire has come and he has suppressed it, 
initially when he undertakes to now do this always, to commit himself not to give in to that nafs. Initially it will be like he is putting a knife through his heart. But when he will continue doing that, in time that becomes a very very easy task. So now initially when that situation comes about, like this is a knife going through his heart, he might think that this is something I can't manage. My whole life like this I'm going to carry on, I don't think I'm going to manage. But that is all a deception of shaitan that you can't manage. It is because already the heart became sick. The heart became weakened. So now this is now an effort. It's a great pain on the heart. But when the heart becomes strengthened again with the love of Allah Ta'ala, when it becomes strengthened with righteousness, with the nur of taqwa, then again it becomes easy because that is the original state of the heart. So the ill heart, an ill person finds small things very difficult. A person who is sick, now it's hard to take a few steps also because he's so sick. But when he becomes healthy, he becomes healthy and he's running, forget walking. He can climb mountains now. So the issue is to bring ourselves back to the state of health. When a person becomes healthy spiritually, then Allah Ta'ala makes all these things very easy. The fourth, when someone causes you harm or insult, then patience is not to take revenge, but to remain quiet. Contemplate, today I will forgive, tomorrow Allah Ta'ala will forgive me. This is the muraqaba, this is the contemplation at that time. So one is that, as repeatedly we have discussed this matter, that there is something tangible to claim. Something tangible to claim, fine, a person is fully within his rights to claim it, but to claim it in the correct manner, following the correct procedures. So something tangible, a person, he has the heart to overlook that also, very good. But if he wants to claim it, he is fully within his right to claim it. And by all means, he may claim it. But if there isn't anything tangible to claim, so what, what is there to receive and to achieve out of that? Nothing. So, by forgiving, this is a simple manner of, inshallah, securing the forgiveness of Allah Ta'ala for ourselves. Are we free of blame? Have we not done things that we deserve, we require the forgiveness of Allah Ta'ala? So, Allah tuhibbuna Allahu lakum. That do we not love that Allah Ta'ala should forgive you? If we love that Allah Ta'ala should forgive us, then fa'afu wasfahu. Forgive and overlook. So, when a person, something like this happens, this is the patience. The patience is not to take revenge. One thing that sometimes we think about patience is, say, no, how long am, am I going to make sabr? Because you can't keep bottling this up. Now, that's what our concept of patience is, our concept of sabr is that to bottle it up, not to give vent to it, to bottle it up. To bottle it up, how much are you going to put into that bottle? Now this is a steam, and you carry on putting that steam into that bottle, what will happen? Someday that bottle will explode. It can take only so much, it can't take the pressure beyond that. So if you keep bottling it up, it will explode. That what happens now generally, because that's our concept of sabr. Our concept of sabr is to bottle it up. I want to say something, I'll just keep quiet now. But, keep quiet and do what? Just keep it inside. So keep it inside is bottling it up. Bottling it up, the bottle will burst. 
So that is not sabr. Sabr is that for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala, a person restrained himself, somebody hurled some abuse at him, he didn't respond in like manner, he kept quiet about it, and he didn't bottle it up. He sent it across to the akhirat. He didn't keep it inside. He cleared it from inside. He emptied the bottle. He didn't keep it in the bottle. How he emptied the bottle? By forgiving also. By overlooking. And saying that this is now, inshallah, my investment for the akhirat. I want Allah Ta'ala to forgive me. So I have forgiven today. Inshallah, in lieu of this, Allah Ta'ala will forgive me. Now he hasn't bottled anything. His heart is light. Now his heart has become very light. Because he's moved it out. If he bottled it, then he's going to add. The second thing will now add to the first. And then the third thing, then eventually he's going to burst somewhere. So this is the lesson. That very famous incident of Imam Abu Hanifa, which we mentioned many, many times. And every time this is something that brings about such inspiration. That what heart these people had. And how they thought, what level they thought at. What jazba Allah Ta'ala and enthusiasm to get closer to Allah Ta'ala they had possessed in their hearts. And if we just get a fraction of this also, our lives will become so much easier. Imam Abu Hanifa in the presence of this gathering of his students, somebody comes and slaps him. Can we imagine that what a situation this is? A person of that caliber, a person whose fiqh, the bulk of the world almost is following that fiqh, all this reward and sawab is going back to him, such a great personality, who the great imams of the time acknowledge what a great and tremendous personality he is. Imam Shafi Rahmatullah says, when it comes to fiqh, the whole humanity is indebted to Imam Abu Hanifa Rahmatullah. And Imam Abdullah bin Mubarak Rahmatullah, the great muhaddis, such a great muhaddis, mujahid, and all the very great qualities that were in the great personalities of the past, he was like a combination of it. And he acknowledged and endorsed what he was a student of Imam Abu Hanifa wrote a whole poem in praise of Imam Abu Hanifa such a great muhaddis. Imam Bukhari has filled his kitab with the narrations of Abdullah bin Barak. So, such a great personality, giant of the time. And now somebody comes and slaps him. And that too in the presence of a gathering. So now, can we imagine if this happens to us, what our reactions will be? What we will do? At the least, what we will say? What will run through our heart? But Imam Sahib says to him, that look, you have slapped me. If I slap you back, I am entitled to do it. An eye for an eye, a slap for a slap, I am entitled to do it. So in other words, to take exactly that amount of revenge, what somebody was hurt, exactly that much, not more than that. That is within his right. But Allah Ta'ala says, فَمَنْ عَفَى وَأَسْلَحَ فَأَجْرُهُ عَلَى اللَّهِ وَإِنْ عَاقَبْتُمْ فَأَعْقِبُوا بِمِثْلِ مَا عُقِبْتُمْ بِهِ وَلَئِنْ صَبَرْتُمْ فَهُوَ خَيْرٌ لِلصَّابِرِينَ So now exactly that he's entitled. So he said, I can take this much revenge, but I won't do that. If I want, I can tell my friends here, to take revenge on my behalf, to the extent you hurt me, to hurt you, on my behalf. That too is my right, I won't do that also. I can report this to the Qazi, to the judge, and 
ask him to take revenge, to take you to task on my behalf. I can lay a claim and this claim will be heard and once you are found guilty, all the witnesses are here, then that revenge will be exacted from you. I won't do this also. Rather, and if I want, I can leave it for the day of Qiyamah. On the day of Qiyamah, you hurt me. In return, I will take your good deeds on the day of Qiyamah. That will be my right. But I won't do that also. Instead, on the day of Qiyamah, inshallah, Allah Ta'ala grant me Jannah. Allah Ta'ala give me the permission to intercede on anybody's behalf. I'll intercede on your behalf and take you along to Jannah. Subhanallah, what a heart. These people didn't become giants of the time, just like that. It didn't just happen because they learned some books and kitabs, they became giants of the time. They were living examples of all those things that were in the kitabs. It was not just knowledge that they had in their hearts and minds. But they had the essence of that knowledge in their lives. The whole chapters of akhlaq was not just the knowledge of it that they had. They lived that akhlaq. The ibadat that they had learned and they read about, this ibadat was in their lives. <coughs> Imam Abu Hanifa was one day walking past somewhere and now as he's walking past, this two old women sitting somewhere outside a house. So now as he's walking past, he's overhearing one saying to the other, that do you know who walked past? Are you saying, I don't know? Saying, this is Imam Abu Hanifa. This is Abu Hanifa, this is the great alim of the time, Abu Hanifa. Do you know something about him? Says, what do you know about, well, what about him? Says, he spends the whole night in ibadat. Now, whereas at that time, at that point in time, this was not the practice of Imam Abu Hanifa, Ali, to spend the whole night in ibadat. He used to wake up half the night, or the last one third portion of the night, and make his tahajjud, etc., make his ibadat. This was not his practice. But now as walking past, where this, many people get many things, mashallah. They get things to, as many people run others down, many people, mashallah, fly people in the air also. All these things happen, where they get it from, things that he just, out of nowhere, they say, Pir nami paran, murida i paranan. This is a Farsi and a Persian saying, the sheikh doesn't fly, the muris make him fly. So in any case, like that somewhere where she got this from, whereas this wasn't the case. But this fell in the ears of Imam Hanifa rahmatullahi Now when he overheard this, he was just walking past and he overheard it and carried on. He thought to himself that this is the good thought people are having about me. Whereas this is not my case. I'm not, I'm not doing this. Right now this is not my situation. If people are thinking like this about me, Allah Ta'ala has put this good thought about me in, in their hearts, this is wrong now that I don't make myself like that. Ever since he started making ibadat the whole night. That this is something that if I am being regarded as such, then this is now, it's not consistent now. Allah Ta'ala has put this kind of thought in people's hearts about me. Now why am I conducting myself in this kind of manner? Whereas that was nafil, it wasn't farz, it wasn't wajib, it's nafil, and he was making ibadat for some portion of the night, and ibadat the whole night is no easy task, but now somebody said this. This was their lives. It wasn't just knowledge only, it was that amal, it was that reality, that hakikat that was in their hearts. It was that 
essence of deen that was fully embedded within them, which they lived and they applied in every facet of life. So this is how they became what they became. It didn't just happen by the sake, by just some press of button, or just merely acquiring some uh, information, and they gathered a lot of research. All that is in its place. But it is that application, that amal, that takes them to this great height. So this is the aspect that Hazrat is talking about here, that the fourth occasion of sabr is that when someone causes you harm or insult, then patience is to take is not to take revenge but to remain quiet. This was the practice of Rasulullah. This was his quality, his attribute, regarding which it is mentioned in the Ahadith of Shamail, Man li nafsihi abada. With emphasis, this is being explained. The narrator of the hadith is explaining it with emphasis. This is the narration of Hazrat Sayyidina Hassan bin Ali radiallahu ta'ala Man li nafsihi abada. That he never took revenge for his personal self ever. Not on one occasion. Our concept of revenge is maybe just to go and hit somebody. No, that's not the only type of revenge. Sometimes just verbally a person says something that he took his revenge. Sometimes he couldn't say it to the person he made, took revenge by making ghibat somewhere. So, this never taking revenge at any instance, in any way, this was the way of Rasulullah So this is the aspect that this is the sabr. And when a person will adopt this sabr, Allah Ta'ala will then fill his heart with that peace and with that iman. Then the fifth occasion of sabr, when there is some calamity, just on this fourth occasion, this aspect of again, this sabr, when something of this happens, we discussed this few days ago, that emotion that would run through a person at that time, that is part of human nature. And that is why this aspect of sabr comes in. Supposing, if a person was like a wall, now you talk to a wall and tell the wall all kinds of insulting things, what happens to the wall? If the wall could speak, it would say, you want to say even more, carry on, I'm a wall, it affects me in no way. I got no emotions, no feelings. So now a person keeps telling the wall something, what a difference it makes to a wall. But insan is insan, that is why insan makes suffer. Because he has emotions, he has feelings, and that is why he is being rewarded for that suffer. You tell a blind person that don't look at haram. The person is blind, what are, you going to, what are you going to look at? But the person who can look and see, and now he's being told, don't look at haram. Now that is something that, now he's going to restrain himself. He's going to get the reward. Because he can do the wrong, but he's not doing it. He can look at the haram, he's lowering his gaze. He is not committing that wrong. Now he is getting rewarded on this. So likewise, this insan has emotions. He has all those feelings. And he is now making sabr. He is restraining it for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. So now he is getting that unlimited rewards. So that is one thing that, that emotions will come. This part of insan. But at that moment, at that moment, what will help him to control those emotions? What will help him to react correctly? If he has been regularly making these muraqabahs, I am nobody, I am nothing, I am the lowest of every Muslim. And then this muraqaba, I should be forgiving. I want Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness, so I should forgive. 
I will not take any revenge from anyone. He is reminding himself daily. We want wazifas, wazifas to overcome laziness. These are the wazifas. This daily reminder. Now when he is making this muraqaba regularly and daily, reminding himself daily, now when something happens out of the blue, at that time this will come to mind. Because he has been training. When a person is training regularly, and now he has strengthened himself, when the time comes to run from the enemy, to run from that dog that is chasing him, is easy. Because he is already trained. But now he never trained, now when he sees the dog running towards him, now he decides that, when can I start training? That's too late now. He's already, before he can think about when he's going to start training, he's already attacked. So if he's regular and consistent with these muraqabahs, on the spot, now Imam Hanifa rahmatullahi's reaction we spoke about, it just happened by chance. Well, he was somebody who was without any emotion, any feeling. He probably had some, maybe something to just deaden all the feelings within him. No emotions. No, it was built in that manner. There was a process, there was an effort made. That consciousness of akhirat and what Allah Ta'ala will reward in return, that being present in the mind all the time. This yaqeen, to the extent that this yaqeen is developed and built. That when a person does some good in dunya, the good of that will return in dunya also. And what Allah Ta'ala will give in the akhirat is beyond imagination. It's not gone in vain. That yaqeen. To the extent that yaqeen and conviction has been strengthened, then this becomes very easy. Then a person can smile in these kind of situations. He might be hurt as well, but he'll still be able to smile about it. So externally, he'll still maintain his composure. Internally, whatever goes through him will go, but he'll be able to control it. He's not inhuman, he's not inanimate, he's a human, he's not some object, he has a heart. But he'll be able to control it. Why? Because he's built it up. With what? With the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala. With the consciousness of Akhirat. With the yaqeen in the Akhirat. With the yaqeen in the rewards of Allah Ta'ala. In the promises of Allah Ta'ala. And at that time, to engage the mind correctly. At that time, one is this muraqaba. And then the lessons we already learned as a revision. The messages, the lessons that we got from the ahadith. Nabi Sallallahu how he just just dismissed those insults that were coming. That they're talking about somebody else. They're talking about a person by the name of Muzammam. My name is Muhammad. I'm not that person. Whereas who was being addressed was obvious. But Nabi Islam just dismissed it. And carried on like nothing happened. Now that is the lesson. That a person engages his mind correctly. And this is in everything. Every, once Nabi Islam's Mubarak finger got injured in one battle, so now he's addressing his injured finger. وَهَلْ أَنْتِ إِلَّا إِسْبَعُنْ دَمِيتِ وَفِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ مَا لَقِيتِ After all, you, just a, you are just a finger that uh, has become injured, has been injured now, and is now some blood is flowing. After all, you're a finger that got injured. My life is still fine. And well, I can still walk, I can still do everything. It's just a finger got injured. And then on top of that, this too has happened in the path of Allah Ta'ala. So what grief is there? What is there to grieve about now? Yes, there's some pain, but this pain is bringing a lot of gain. Now, it obviously, it's an injury. A person gets hurt. At that moment, the tip of the finger is very, very sensitive. 
it can be very painful but by engaging the mind in this way it already starts reducing the pain and the other is now to make oneself very conscious this is a very sensitive part of the body the finger when the finger edge of the finger gets injured oh this is very serious now he already told his mind is very serious if it was half serious it will become double serious because he's made his mind like that now he wants to make it more serious than it is it will become more serious and he wants to lessen it it will get lessened so the pain won't go away but the mind how he engaged it will mask the pain like a person now is in pain so the pain is because of something that's happening. So that whatever is happening is causing pain. So now they gave him a painkiller. So I took the painkiller. What is causing the pain is still there. But the pain only got masked. It got masked with the painkiller. The nerve centers that now, whatever, give the signals of pain now got masked, got suppressed. But what was causing the pain hasn't gone. That still has to be treated. That will still take a while. So the same issue is, when a person engages his mind correctly, that grief, that pain, that, that source of it will be there. But to the extent of how well he can manage to do this, to that extent it will mask the pain. It will soothe the grief. It will be like a balm over the pain. So that issue is there, but he's got the balm ready. He has got something to mask, that painkiller is with him. So this is the way how a person engages his mind. He can then make something small very big. He can make something very big small. It's all up to him. The fifth aspect, Nabi Islam, this is the fifth aspect in terms of sabr, that when there is some calamity, that is sickness, loss of wealth, or the death of some close family member or friend, at Patience at that time is not to utter any word contrary to the Sharia. To feel grief, this is not against patience, that's human nature. But at that time to utter any word contrary to the Sharia, that is against patience and sabr. One should not place any objections on Allah Ta'ala, such as, why was I oppressed, Nauzubillah, why was our relative given death so quickly, etc., Neither should one cry about the calamity in front of people. Meaning now that he is going about it in a complaining manner. In a complaining manner he is crying about this calamity. This is something also that is wrong. However, to cry and shed tears due to natural grief as well as to lessen your sorrow is permissible. A person is feeling grief, that grief it evokes crying, that is part of human nature also. So now if a person, and this is something that Allah has created as a system in insan, he sometimes that grief reaches a point where the only way that he now lightens it is by crying it out. Allah hasn't forbidden that. He will shed some tears, it will lighten his grief. It will lessen that intensity of the grief. So that too is something that in fact the Mashaikh states that sometimes when this grief comes to a point that now it is requiring this, that it should be uh, it should be, so to say, poured out, then a person shouldn't forcefully suppress it. Meaning, in the sense that, don't forcefully suppress it, that now I must remain very, very, like a superman, I must not shed one tear, I must not appear to be crying in any way. Allah Ta'ala didn't make that compulsory in a person not to cry. That's part of human nature. If it has come to that point, whether a person now does it, 
in his privacy, whatever, clear. Listen it. Let the heart get lightened. That's something which Allah has created as a system of this human body. That there are various things that create certain relief, certain things happen, certain things become the means of that relief. So if now crying it out is going to lessen that and lighten it, all means. But one is now shedding those tears of grief, of sorrow, but the other is saying things that are out of line, or shouting and screaming and making a very huge din and cry, all this is against Shariat. However, to cry and shed tears due to natural grief, as well as to show your sorrow to your close friends with the intention to lessen your sorrow, is permissible. Now, a person is sharing some situation of his with somebody, that this person now will comfort me in some way, he will advise me, he will probably suggest something to me. On that note, by all means, not on the note of complaining. We don't complain about any situation, because that complaint goes where? That this grief came to me, now a person is complaining, so who is complaining against? Now, Uzbillah is complaining against Allah Ta'ala. So one is now that he is sharing some grief in order to lighten it, in order that somebody will now say something of consoling him, whatever, that is in his place. So this is permissible to lessen the grief in this manner. Since at times by being patient, keeping quiet and silently bearing grief, one may become afflicted with heart problems, etc. On such occasions, think of the reward of being patient. Think that all of this is only for our benefit. And by not making sabr, taqdeer will not change. Therefore, why should I even lose the rewards of making sabr? By not being patient, it's not going to change anything. What has already been decreed for is going to happen. By now becoming very, very, uh, to start complaining about it, to unnecessarily now bring oneself down and make oneself despondent, and make oneself feel very low about it, that's all in our control now. So to think about it, that Allah Ta'ala has something better for me in store. The wisdom of Allah Ta'ala is infinite and nothing is without, is not filled with the wisdom of Allah Ta'ala. We won't understand it necessarily. Our understanding and capacity to understand is so limited, where are we going to understand the infinite wisdom of Allah Ta'ala and everything? But everything has the wisdom of Allah Ta'ala in it. Whether we understand it or not, we have to submit to it. Allah Ta'ala give us the rewards of sabr and enable us to adopt sabr wherever it's required. Allah Ta'ala save us from all kinds of calamities, difficulties, hardships, but grant us this reality of sabr at the same time that wherever it is required we adopt the sabr. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi, subhanakallahumma bihamdik, nashadu Allah ilaha illa, astaghfirullah.